Hey, welcome to Sunday Sermons. I'm Pastor Brett, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Centerbrook, Connecticut, and in the message today, we're going to be hearing from the Gospel of Luke, the 14th chapter, verses 25 through 33. Here Jesus is telling us that to be a disciple of his, we need to hate the people around us that we love. We need to give up all our possessions, even carry a cross and follow him. And I'm going to ask the question, does he mean it? I mean, really, does Jesus want us to hate people? To be poor? We're going to explore those questions and others this week and think about what it means to be a called disciple of Jesus. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to pick it up and read the passage yourself. And if you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to get one. It doesn't matter the translation, grab one that speaks to you. Remember, the Bible is God's word for you. It's God's holy word breathed out for you. And if you're ever wondering what Jesus has to say for you, a word that God has to speak to you in any moment, remember, the Bible is God's holy word inspired by the Holy Spirit. So pick it up and read it. The sermon starts around the 2 minute 30 mark. Feel free to read your scripture and move there. Otherwise, here it is. The Gospel of Luke, the 14th chapter, verses 25 through 33. Now large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all those who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to wage war against another king will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose those who come against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. This is the gospel of the Lord. Good morning, church. So there was this book that was published in 1959. Uh, And it was titled, The Greatest Advertisements from 1852 to 1958. And it's pretty self-explanatory what it was about. But there was this one advertisement that was published, supposedly, um, by by this guy, uh, this famous explorer named uh, Sir Ernest Shackleton. Uh, He was um, uh, famous for exploring the Antarctic. Uh, and he was setting up this uh, trip to go to the polar regions of the Antarctica. In 1900, it hasn't been done before. He was, he was going in this wild place that no one had gone before, and it was very dangerous. And, and so, um, so he put an ad in the paper, supposedly, and this is what the ad read. It said, Men wanted for hazardous journey, low wages, bitter cold, long hours in complete darkness, safe return doubtful, honor and recognition in event of success. And supposedly, the guy had over 5,000 applicants. And he had so many applicants that it said that to figure out how he was going to hire a crew, he had to start 
splitting up all these applicants into three piles. He had one pile labeled uh, madmen, and then they, they, they were chucked out. And he had another pile labeled hopeless, and they were chucked out. And then he had another pile labeled possibilities. And then from that, he found 72 uh, crew for his ship and his voyage. Uh, now, it's, uh, it's more of a mythological story. It's apocryphal. And it's probably filled with some exaggeration. There probably weren't 5,000 people that applied for this job because of this ad. But it's an incredible ad. And, and he, the fact that he got crew to go with him from, from this is incredible. And there's something about it that we, I mean, I don't want to speak for the whole human race, but we are, I think we have a high respect for people that are just brazenly truthful. I do. I just love that. And I think that's something that we try and teach our kids anyways, right? As a parent, uh, I think that it's important to us. Like, if our kids make some horrible mistake, like, we want to know. We want to know every grimy detail, no matter how bad. It's better for us to know, because then we can do something with that, right? Like, I can do something if I know. It's better that way than to not know. Than to have someone lie to you or skim the corners or to soften the blow. It's, I, I'd rather, we want to know the honest to God truth. Or, or to, or when you have a diagnosis from the doctor, you just, what's the truth, doc? Right? Like the worst part is waiting. You, the doctor calls and says, you got to come in for another appointment. We found something. The appointment's in three months. That's, that's, the, that's the worst possible situation. You just want to. You just want to know the truth no matter how bad it is. By the way, this, uh, this ship captain, I mean, he, he made it and he did a lot of good things. I mean, he once was stranded for like 497 days without rescue and one time when his ship sunk. And he did die a poor, broke, destitute man. But other than that, he was a great guy to follow anywhere, right? Today's gospel is... Uh, Today's gospel is Jesus's, it's his own recruitment ad. And I'm not so sure it's any better than this guy Shackleton's ad. In fact, if you had a choice between following the ad that Jesus puts out for disciples or following this dude Shackleton to the Antarctic in 1900, I almost would rather be on this dude's ship than what Jesus has to offer. This is, this is Jesus' ad. Hey, if you want to be a disciple, come and follow me. But here's what it requires. It requires that you have to hate your family. And it requires that you have to hate your own life. And being a disciple of mine means that you've got to pick up your cross and drag it with you wherever I go. You've got to follow me with it. And oh, by the way, you've got to give up all your stuff. Leave all that stuff behind. You ain't going to need that where you're going. When's that Antarctic trip leaving? <laughs> this, is his, this is his recruitment tool for disciples. This is it, right? Hey, if you want to be a disciple, hate your family. And here's the, here's the thing about hating family. Jesus actually talks a lot about in Scripture about, about loving your family, okay? And loving people. And in fact, Jesus hates hate. He actually tells us that we're supposed to get rid of the hate in our heart. And actually, we can only do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. In here, he's not talking about hate the way 
the way we might hate. And, and here it says, Jesus says, you've got to hate your, your children and hate your mother and hate your spouse. And, and, I, and I know some of you might actually hate your mothers. And he's not talking about that kind of hate. And, and you really need to work on that. He's, he's not talking about the malice type, the type of hate that you get when you're so angry at something because they've done something bad. He ain't talking about that. Jesus lives in a time and in, in a place where, where the culture is such that, that religion and is an identity. It's a culture. It's, it's such a part, an important part of, of who you are. He lives in a world in which it's, it's a theocracy, right? It's not just who you are, but it's your state. It's your government. You're told what to believe. Jesus lives in this time in which leaving behind one religion to follow this guy who says he's the Messiah means conflict with the people that you love with the culture that you were brought up with, with the family in which you are part of. And Jesus says in other parts of Scripture that if you come into conflict because of your faith, you have to choose. That's a hard choice to make. And even worse, if you've ever read any church history or any history at all, you know about the martyrs and you know that Christians at one time in their lives were persecuted and, and people had to watch their family literally be killed in front of them because of the faith they believed in. Simply for that reason, because they loved the Lord God with all their hearts. That's the time Jesus was living in. So Jesus says, you've got to love God more than anything else if you're going to walk with me. Because it might cause you to lose your family. And he says even more, it might cause you to lose your life. So this life is temporary. This life is, this body is temporary. But the relationship with God is forever. So you've got to be willing to put God above all else. That's what he means. It's not hate like malice. It's hate like I'm willing to put God above all else. Then he says, by the way, you've got to pick up your cross and you've got to walk with me. You've got to follow me. And now we look at this cross here and we say, hey, now it's a symbol of hope. It's a symbol of resurrection. It's a symbol of life. But then that's not true. Then it's a Roman symbol of torture and power and terror and horror. It's a symbol of fear. It's a place that Jesus is going. And Jesus says, hey, if you want to follow me, this is where we're headed. This is where we're going. And if you want to be a disciple, you've got to pick it up with me. That's, that's what this means. And oh, by the way, you've got to give up all your stuff. And today we hear passages like that. Hey, Jesus says, sell all your possessions and give it to the poor. And this is what we say today, in today's culture. We say, Jesus doesn't really hate money. He doesn't want you to be poor. He doesn't want you to give up all your stuff. It's about what, what you do with it. It's about what it does to your heart. And I say, bull. That's bull. That's a 21st century privileged way of looking at it. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, it's easier for a camel to get to the eye of a needle than for someone with money, a rich person, to get to heaven. Jesus says to the rich man, who says, how do I get an eternal life? He says, he says, well, you follow the law of God. And the rich man says, I'd done that already. And, and he says, well, then, fine, that's great. Then you've got to sell all your possessions and give it to the poor. And the rich man says, what? And he says it over and over and over and over again. Give up everything you have. Because on this life, it's meaningless. And there's people that need it more than you. 
and we say, ah, it's, it's about what corrupts your heart. And Jesus says, it corrupts your heart. It all corrupts your heart. No, Jesus says very clearly, if you want to be my disciple, give it all away. And then he says, I just want you to know, I'm just giving you the heads up. I'm a nice guy. You got to know what you're signing up for. This is the deal. I don't want you to start this walk with me. I don't want you to start this journey with me and then get halfway in and realize what I've called you to and have you leave. I don't want you to have pie in your face because you realize this is too much for you. So I'm going to tell you ahead of time that this is a hard road. This, if Jesus had an ad in the paper, this would be his ad. Followers wanted an unlimited amount. Pay is nothing. Work is hard, harder than we probably think. It's dangerous, it's sacrificial, it's lonely. And it requires you to have zero glory for yourself. It requires you to have an, a, a zero self-interest, zero stake in the game. And if you read this ad, if you saw it in the paper, how many of you would sign up? I wanted my kids in Sunday school. Wanted. I was checking it out. but Maybe that congregational church down the street is looking pretty good now. This text is hard. It's one of the hardest teachings of Jesus. And I like it. And my wife says, you're twisted. She's a pastor. Some people say, oh, it must be great being married to a pastor because you could write sermons together. In fact, one person could write a sermon one week and you could both use it and then the next, you could go back and forth. It must be great. And I say, no, we don't read the scripture the same way at all. It's like oil and water. Forget it. We got in this, I wouldn't say argument, but we got in a heated discussion. What do we do with this text? Because my wife says this is a text that was really important at the time when, and in cultures today where Christians are persecuted, when the poor is so destitute that you have to give up everything you own in order to help people who are hungry. But we don't live in that world today. We have charities. We have capitalism. And while it's imperfect and very far from perfect and hurts a lot of people, it actually helps a lot of people too. It raises people. It does raise the income up for everybody. So we have systems that help it that don't require you to give up everything. So, so does this even apply to anybody today? We're not persecuted. We don't have to worry about... You know, most people, if you find Jesus, your family's happy. Unless you're Catholic and you start going to Lutheran church, then that, that might cause some problems. <laughs> but, so, what, so how, my wife says, so how do we make this text modern and make it meaningful today? And I say, oh, no, 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 no. In a world where we don't have to sacrifice, in a country where we're very lucky, then this text is more important now than ever. Because for me, Jesus is being pretty straightforward. You cannot be a disciple unless... 
bullet point one, bullet point two, bullet point three, bullet point four. We don't need to make it modern because it already is modern. This is what Jesus requires. If it is straightforward, then how do we connect the idea of serious sacrifice to our life? What do I have to say in my sermon to make it applicable so that we actually do what Jesus tells us to do? And I say to her, and this is where we left it, it's not my job. So there's nothing I can say to make you believe that Jesus means what he says. Because Jesus is doing that. If you don't believe what Jesus says, that's not my problem. It's his job to make you believe what he's saying. My job is just to hold a mirror up. To hold the mirror up, the text, and say, if this is true, if Jesus says this, and if he actually means what he says, then how are you doing? Because when I hold the mirror up for myself, and I look reflectively at my own life, I'll tell you, not that good. Not good. And I realize that I am completely unqualified and unfit and maybe uncaring enough according to these standards that Jesus himself gave to be a disciple. I mean, look at where we live. I look at my house and all the blessings that I've been given and what I'm not willing to give up. And certainly not willing to sacrifice. So for sure, I am not the one to tell you how to make this real in your life. And I am not the one to help you connect this and teach how Jesus is very serious when he says this. But I do know that it is real. And I do know that it is important. It's life and death important, I know that, because it's what led Jesus to Calvary. And and maybe, maybe that's my job. Perhaps my job isn't to say, do this, because Jesus, he's already doing that. Perhaps my job is to say, Jesus did that. Because here's the thing about Jesus. I suspect he already knew we'd make pretty crappy disciples. I'm convinced he already knew that about us. And yet, he, he went to the cross for us anyways. Isn't that amazing? You see, when we, when we hold that mirror up to ourselves... The only thing we can do in reading this text is realize that we are completely bound to this thing called sin. We can't ourselves break from it. We can't do it. We're bound to it, even when we want to. And I would suspect most of us do. Even when we want to, this sin thing grips hold of us and won't let go. And for that reason, God incarnate in Jesus judged us. Oh, and he did. He judged us at that cross. He judged us worthy. He judged us worthy.
and said, it's not worth giving up yet. Gave us another chance. Forgave us and loves us. Said, I'll love him no matter what. And so I can look at that mirror that's held up when I read this text and I can acknowledge that I'm not living up to Christ's standards and I can think I'm not giving my all, I'm not, and I, and I don't understand sacrifice the way Jesus does or intends for me, but he forgave me today. Did you hear that at the beginning of worship? It's not my words, that's scripture, I have no choice. They told me I have to forgive you, I wouldn't. <laughs> and so then I, then I got a chance to work on it. And get a little closer to what Jesus wants. And then tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm not going to be there. I'm going to read this text again. I'm going to say, oh, Lordy, Lordy, I'm not anywhere close to being a disciple of Jesus, what he needs. And then he's going to forgive me. And I'm going to work my darndest to get closer. And I won't be there. But he'll forgive me. And then I'll do it the next day and the next day and my whole life long. Why? Because the kingdom that God is building is important. The kingdom that God is building in Jesus Christ is important. Love one another, Jesus says in the Gospel of John. You ever hear that? Love one another as I have loved you, he says. Or if you read that reading from the first reading today, 1 Peter He says, above all, love one another deeply. That's our Sunday school theme this year. Love one another. We'll hear that a lot throughout the year. This is the vision that Jesus has for the kingdom of God. And it's not one we're waiting for to come when Jesus comes back again. We're not going to just sit on our thumbs and twiddle around. We're not going to do that. It's not just waiting for Jesus to make it happen. Jesus is using his disciples, the imperfect people that are called to do the work, to do it now. It's Jesus' vision and Jesus' heart, but it's our hands and our feet to do it. The inbreaking of the kingdom is happening right at this very moment, and we're either part of it or we're not. And so I elect to be part of it. So I like this reading. It's a challenge. But what's the opposite? Do we dismiss it? Do we just throw it away and say, oh, how, do we, how does it apply to us today? We're not a persecuted people. It's not, this is a modern world. Do we just throw it away? What's the opposite? That we just don't sacrifice We don't try to to give more, to live more generously. We don't try to put God ahead of everything. We don't try to live more into the kingdom of God. We don't try to live more into the promises that God has offered. We don't try to love people harder. We don't try to give everything we've got for this, this Jesus person that we worship. We don't try to sacrifice those things that we've been given. We don't try to live the life that Jesus has offered us. We don't try to walk in the light that God has laid, the path that God has offered. We don't try. What's the opposite? Greed and self-interest? No, I like this passage. It's a road map. We're not on it, but I like it. No, I prefer this way. I prefer Jesus' way. I don't know if, I'll tell you, I don't know if I knew about this passage when I became a Christian. I'll say I probably didn't know about this passage. It's very likely I never read it. 
when Jesus said, you want to be a Christian. Well, this is, this is the way to live your life. I'm sure I didn't know about it. But I'll tell you, I know now, I've read the ad Jesus put out. And you know what? I accept the call. Hey, thanks for listening. If you're ever near Centerbrook, Connecticut on Sundays, you can worship with us at 8 and 10 o'clock in the morning. And if you've got prayer requests or scripture you'd like to hear preached on, you can contact me at brett at tlccenterbrook.org. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Brett herzog Bitkoski. And you can learn more about Trinity Lutheran Church at tlccenterbrook.org. And one quick note, special thanks to Joseph McDade for the music today. You can find him online and support his Patreon. There's great stuff there. And of course, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord look upon you with favor and as always, grant you peace. God bless.